Shalom Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people where the middle wall is separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man, getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar, the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for Jesus. And the way you're red hot for Jesus is everyone everywhere must know Jesus. And know means have intimacy with him. But there are things that are stopping you from having the intimacy that your heart craves with God. And that's why my guest, Trish Frost, uh, I have her new book, Unbound, Breaking Free from Life Entanglements. In fact, we call the book and the three CDs and the special bookmark a freedom package. Uh, You know, Trish, the older I get, uh, the more sympathy I have for God. I think we humans are so messed up. Um, I, I, I mean, it, it, the the ministry that you have, every Christian, the minute they get saved, should go through it. Well, I think so. I'm in agreement with you. And the reason I feel like Christians everywhere should go through this is because it helps you become unbound. It gets you unstuck. And I don't know about you, Sid, but I don't think I've ever been anywhere that I have not met people, many people, that um, are that you know that they're stuck and they're stuck in life and and they don't even know why you know they don't understand okay I'm I'm repeating this behavior over and over and over again it's causing conflict in my family I don't want the conflict in my family I don't want conflict in my relationship with with God or man but here I am stuck how do I understand how to get unstuck You know, the best way for them to understand what you teach is for them to understand you and your husband, Jack, who is now in heaven. Uh, Trish and Jack Frost have the most wonderful ministry, and I'll use her words, to get people unstuck. Now, in uh, your case, uh, you were raised by a Christian family. Uh, your your father uh, had a heart attack, wasn't able to make a living. Uh, and so what areas were you stuck in? Well, I, my father was a great man, and we went from being a, a middle-class family to a, a family that just barely had enough to get by. And even though he was a good man and he provided food, clothes, and shelter, um, as a child I judged him because I embraced a lie about him. And the lie that I embraced about my dad was is that he's a good man, but he, your father, will give you just enough to get by. And so that carried into my relationship with, with, all, with all men, and especially God. You know, that God is good, and I know I was, I, I tell everybody I was born saved. Of course, we know that's not true, but, but I grew up in such a Christian home that um, I never knew a time in my life as a young person where God was not a part of my life. And so I began to see God the same way I saw my earthly dad, that he's good, but he'll give you just enough to get by. And so when people started telling me about faith and you could trust God and you could um, believe God for all of these things, that wasn't my reality. You know, it might be truth, but it wasn't my reality because my judgment of God was that he'll give you just enough to get by. 
So I was stuck. I was one of those people that that heard heard all these wonderful things about the supernatural um, power and relationship of a loving God, but it just wasn't happening in my life. And so I was stuck. I was stuck in a in a lie, in an ungodly belief, and it it kept me bound throughout most of my young, uh, you know, adult life. And uh, it seems to me that the way you were taught the Word, they gave you a King James Bible when you were uh, just, what, five years old and gave you a dictionary and said, read it. I'm amazed that you did that. (laughs) But you you must have been fairly legalistic, too, at that time. Well, I grew up, you know— and with a good background, you know, again, my family was Christian, but yeah, we did come probably more from a law-based Christianity than we did a love-based Christianity, but we didn't know any better. You know, I mean, that, you know, I'm 60 years old now, Sid, and, you know, growing up in that kind of home, you know, over 50-something years ago, it was just natural for me. But um, but my mom, you know, um, she knew the importance of, of the Word, you know, she knew the importance of getting the Word inside of us. But, you know, again, 50 years ago, there was no such thing. If there were, I didn't have one. As a message Bible, as a living translation, as a study Bible, our family just couldn't afford things like that. And so what she could afford was a dictionary, because I kept going to her. I remember going to her, asking her, well, what does this mean, and what does this word mean? Uh, Okay, we've got a pretty good uh, background of you. Now let's take your husband, Jack. Uh, You made a statement about him, and you said he was the most wounded person you knew. That's quite a statement. Yeah. He was very wounded, and, and if you remember anything about Jack's background, he grew up with alcoholic parents that he had to perform to have a place of value. So Jack grew up striving, you know, striving for that place of value to to where mom and dad would even notice him. And because they didn't notice him, being alcoholics, they didn't really notice Jack. He was almost invisible. And his brother was the superstar, the tennis player. And um, so Jack kind of grew up um, emotionally detached from people. No one showed him affection. No one showed him you know, value or affirmed him. And so he grew up that way. And, and, you know, as an adult man, when he, you know, when we got married and he had a family, he began to treat us the same way that his family had treated him because he didn't know any different. And and you came from a background of low self-esteem. He came from a background of low self-esteem. It's a miracle you two stayed together. We used to say that all the time. (laughs) But guess what? The people that are listening to us right now, they would say, well, it's a miracle we stayed together. Uh, But but God had a plan. What was the major thing that got your husband's attention that caused him to recognize he, he was stuck? Well, I think the main the main thing was our oldest son and our relationship and Jack's relationship with our oldest son. I remember one day he he kind of saw the look in Micah's face when Micah just gave up. You know, there's no point in trying to cut the grass right. There's no point in trying to to do good in school because no matter how good I do, even if it's the best I can do, it's never enough to please Dad. And so that look that Micah gave him, that look of, of, you know, well, I don't have any value either in my dad's eyes. I think that wounded Jack 
to the point to where he began to, he just kind of set out on a journey. Okay, Father God, I have never known intimacy with a father. I don't even know where to start. And through a lot of things, of course, you know, he got saved first. But even after his salvation, said that didn't change his behavior. You know, he was a saved person, but he was mean. He was still mean. And so salvation didn't change his behavior. And it was in a pursuit that, that he constantly pursued intimacy with a loving father. And he never could find it until finally he went to a Father Loves You conference in Toronto. And it was at that conference that this sweet fellow, he was five foot six. His name was Jack Winter, prayed for six foot five, Jack Frost. And he just asked him one question. He said, Jack, has your father ever blessed you? And Jack, my Jack, had to say, no, I've never been blessed by an earthly dad. Or, And he didn't know anything about a father's blessing. And so Jack Winter stood for about 20 minutes just speaking life over Jack, just blessing him, just telling him all the things that a father should say to a son. And and so when Jack came home from that conference, you know, we, we had not gone with him to that conference. And when he came home from that conference, I knew it was real because he didn't try to take it and teach it at a church. He was a conference speaker by that time. He brought it home, and the first thing he did was he said, you know, I mean, he, he, he just changed. He went from being the aggressive striver, said, to the loving, kind father. We didn't, we didn't know how to handle this Jack. You know, we'd never seen this Jack. And it was out of that that he began to change. And when he changed, his relationship with Father God changed first. He, he stopped seeing God as that, that cop in the sky that's out to get you. And no matter what you do, you, you can't, you know, you're doomed. And he stopped seeing God that way. And he began to see, okay, I can have a relationship with God, really, you know. But something happened with the power of that blessing that got him unstuck to the point to where he began to relate lovingly and kindly, first to me and then to his children. And it has gone around the world. I mean, the message of one changed life has literally touched hundreds of thousands of other lives and continues to this day, even though he's in heaven. Well, everyone, I'm convinced, is entangled with some wrong thinking, which then becomes a stronghold. Uh, and uh, and many, many times they don't even know their thinking is wrong. All they know is the way they react. Uh, how, how do people get to the, uh, the root of the wrong thinking? I mean, it's easy to see what your wrong thinking was now. It's easy to see what Jack's wrong thinking uh, was now. How, how do people listening to us get to the roots of their wrong thinking? Well, I think they have to identify what what is the behavior. In other words, what am I doing that's wounding other people? You know, and and as for me, I pray the word of God. You know, Psalms one thirty nine twenty three. You know, Lord, search me. There's got to be something inside of me that doesn't want to do what I'm presently doing that's hurting and wounding other people. And so I began to trace that wound back to okay, where was the point that I was wounded? Where did I give life to pain that has caused me to be stuck in childhood behavior or to be stuck in, you know, negative thinking? 
And and I've... Oh, I'll tell you, we're out of time right now. But I want you to get, we call it the Freedom Package, her book, Unbound, Breaking Free from Life's Entanglements. And that's what your heart desires to do. And once you get free, you'll be an influence for your whole family to be free. It's the book and the three CD series. Uh, the first two is healing the heart of your family than healing your own heart, although I think it has to be done the other way around. And that also this bookmark that uh, you're going to put on your mirror, we call it the Freedom Package, available for a gift of $40. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, Many people are stuck because of strongholds that have formed in their life from events they, they're not even thinking about, and they wonder why they're stuck. But there's nothing they feel they can do about it, so they go throughout life without having the intimacy, the friendship, the peace, the, 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 the sweetness of of a full relationship with God. So my guest, Tricia Frost, was like that. And her husband, who's now in heaven, Jack Frost, was like that. Uh, and uh, Jack was a very, very driven man. His uh, father was an alcoholic. Uh, he was performing. He got into, after he became a believer, he be, uh, Jack became, uh, got into performance-based Christianity. Uh, his wife, Trish, had very low self-esteem. And he went to a conference. And for the first time, he realized that he and his family members were judging God by their relationship with their father. And he broke it in himself. And then he proceeded to show, uh, just out of curiosity, Trish, did he come home and start teaching or did you just notice the change in him? Uh, What occurred? Well, whenever he first came home, when he walked through the door from the conference where Jack Winter, and isn't that nice of God, Jack Winter had Jack, I mean, had God had Jack Winter speak a blessing over Jack Frost, but he came home in, over, in, from this conference, and he was not the same person. And he walked in the door, and he immediately began to sit us down, and he, you know, he just started saying, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry that I've treated you this way. I'm sorry that I didn't value. And there was no but attached to any of the sorry. You know, there was no, I'm sorry, but if you hadn't have done this, we wouldn't be this way. It was, he took responsibility and ownership for his behavior. You know, he took responsibility for all the ways that he had wounded his family because I I think for the first time he had a revelation of just how much he had wounded his family. And um, he he didn't want that for his family anymore. And so he immediately, he, he didn't just come in and say, I'm sorry. I mean, that was great. But then his whole behavior changed. He began to act differently. You know, we didn't have to... No, no, but most people think no one can change. That husband of mine, that wife of mine, that's the way they are. They can't change. Uh, But you're saying your husband changed. Given the right environment, anybody can change. And Jack was placed in an environment of unconditional love and acceptance himself when Jack Winter prayed over him. Um, He was placed in an environment that he's never 
felt that kind of love and intimacy from a father. And I think all of us need, I mean, isn't that what we're all looking for? We're all looking to be valued and loved, especially by our fathers or and our mothers too. But especially we long to hear those words, Sid, I love you, son. I'm proud of you, son. And, and just words of blessing. So many people live by words that have been spoken over them because they're word curses. You know, you'll never amount to anything. You stupid idiot. You know, you can't do that or all the I can'ts. Instead of creating an environment where we can believe in a person and we can see the potential and the purpose and the destiny, and then as parents begin to bless that. So when we create environments like that, anybody can change. Now, I'm going to read a a quote from you. Pain turns to behavioral patterns which cause us to then be pain for those who we love. It seems like such a vicious cycle. Yeah. We call it our cycle of pain because what it is for us, it is a cycle. Because this cycle of pain, it starts with a wound. Somewhere in our life, either a word curse is spoken or someone does something that that just hurts and wounds us to the point to where we get stuck in believing a lie or a word curse that we can't. And out of that woundedness, then it causes us to begin to think negatively about ourselves. Well, maybe they're right. I can't do this. I can't do that. And so I might as well live life. And then the next part of that cycle is, is whenever you don't believe in yourself then, and you start believing a lie about yourself, then you step into disobedience. God did not make any of us to, to not be successful. And so we step in, we embrace the lie, and we step into sin and disobedience. Well, that opens up the doors for isolation. You know, well, I just don't trust you enough to allow you to be a part of my life. And whenever we open up the doors for darkness and isolation, I hate to say it, but then we open up the doors for demonic oppression. You know, um, our enemy is looking for ways to just devour us. I feel like the devil's only had one mission statement, and that's to divide and conquer. And so he's constantly looking for ways to divide families and conquer whole families. Um, and he does that through through separation. You know, if I can get this person to believe that they have no value, especially by their earthly parents or, or even spiritual authorities in their life, then I've got them. You know, if I can convince them to believe a lie long enough, that sooner or later that lie becomes their reality. It's not their truth. But, you know, I I heard it said one time that Joseph Goebbels, who was Hitler's minister of propaganda, he, he made this statement, if you can convince a person of a lie long enough, they'll believe it. And that's how he convinced um, Germany to believe the lie that Jewish people have no value. And and you saw with that, I mean, it... it really almost produced one of the greatest genocides in history ever. But you know what's interesting? The flip side of that is also true. If you believe the Word of God and hear it long enough and start following that, you will believe the truth. In other words, that's the way the human body is is created. We will believe what we hear long enough. So we have to make sure we hear the right thing. Exactly. Well, how do you do that? You know, people ask me all the time, well, how do I, how do I identify the, the word curses in my life? You know, how do, I, how do I understand what wounded is, wounding is? Well, 
I think Jeremiah 1, 10, 11 helps us out there because it says, See, today I have set you as rulers. And it said, I really don't believe that people believe that they have that kind of authority. God has set us up for rulers. You know, we're joint heirs. But in being set up for rulers, he's told us to go out and uproot, tear down, overthrow, and destroy all the things in our life, those root issues, those ungodly beliefs, so you can build and plant. So many people get a hold of the faith message, build and plant, you know, that um, mouth confession is really good. But when you try to, to just do mouth confessions on top of ungodly beliefs, then, then it, doesn't, it doesn't change anything for you. And then you get frustrated and you lose hope that, you know, that, that I'll ever change, that I can ever have purpose, that I can ever have value. So it's when we go after those things. You know, those ungodly beliefs, you know, those strongholds, those habit patterns. Now, when, when you say stronghold, uh, what's your definition of stronghold? I think a stronghold is a fortress of, of thought, or it could be fortress of many thoughts that actually influence the way we respond to life. You know, again, it's a habit pattern. You know, it's a habit. Um, you know, a habit is something that we, or it's an act or something that we believe so often that it takes no new decision of mind uh, to perform the act. Now, now, how does the stronghold actually get to be a stronghold in our life? Well, I think th- through word curses. You know, whenever you're told a lie, it goes back to, to that. When you are told a lie, a lie long enough, you begin to believe it. Even though you know that that's not true, that's not your destiny, that's not the purpose and plan of your life, you begin to embrace that as truth for yourself. And then involuntarily, you will begin to live from that lie, thinking that that's your truth. I see it, I see it over and over and over again. I mean, I travel, I mainly stay in North America right now, but I, am, I travel at least twice a month and I do encounters and seminars. Instead, I meet people every day in these seminars that have embraced an orphan heart, you know, that heart that tells them they don't have a right to belong. And they've embraced that orphan heart mainly because they've not had a place to belong. You know, they've not had anyone speaking into their life that they have value, that they have purpose, that they have destiny. And and so they begin to believe that they don't. And in believing that they don't, then they live their life. You know, they live their life most of the time um, sub, I hate to say subservient, but just, you know, beneath their potential. You know, and, and I believe with all my heart, and I believe this, and I have especially been living this way since Jack died. I believe with all of my heart that Father God wants each and every one of us to not just be successful, but to live abundantly above anything that we could dream about. And, and why not? Uh, you know, I have in my hand your bookmark, which is called... I am Father God's happy thought. Tell me about this bookmark very quickly. I keep that bookmark most of the time taped to my mirror in my bathroom because I need to remind myself that Father God has happy thoughts. See, we don't believe that. We tend to view Father God the same way that we view our earthly dads. And that's such a misrepresentation of who he really is. Because, you know, he says in 1 Corinthians that he can't think an evil thought. And if he cannot think an evil thought about us, where do we get the idea? Who's telling us that, that he does? 
you know, who's telling us that we're a failure, that, that we can't? Because I just believe with, with all of my heart, if it hadn't if it hadn't been my belief of who the image of who Father God really is today, I never would have been able to walk through the last seven years of Jack not being here. You know, I was so afraid to do anything, especially anything on my own. And Father God's given me the courage to believe in my destiny and purpose and the plans that he has for me. But Sid, it's not come without a cost. Give me some, uh, describe uh, some symptoms of people that are wounded. Well, let me step back just for a minute and, and pick up on what you just said. You know, I feel like everybody is looking for a type of love, um, Sid, that's unconditional. In other words, we, we feel loved by certain people in our life, but, but, you know, I'm loved if or if I can do these things or, or if this happens and maybe somebody will love me. And, you know, we don't realize that we're loved unconditionally just the way we are right now if we never do another thing. I mean, what if you were a paraplegic in a wheelchair and you couldn't do anything to perform for love? Would you know that you're still loved? And I feel like that's where Father wants us all to, to, to I mean, that whole happy thought card is all about just knowing and putting inside of us the scriptures, scripture after scripture after scripture that changes our image of, of God being a, um, a cop in the sky, a God that you have to perform for, to just a loving father. Because most people have not, they didn't grow up in a home with a loving father. And when you don't grow up in a home with a loving father, you tend to relate to Father God the same way you relate to your earthly father. And when we do that, it can cause woundedness and and. We've seen that when we're wounded in our family of origin, I mean, I see it all the time, so many people that they they just kind of wear shame or they just feel like nobody loves them, so they build these walls of separation. You know, self-protection or... And those walls actually end up, people start rejecting them because of the walls they have because they were rejected. Exactly. You reject. You know, you feel that. And then some more characteristics that we see of woundedness is people begin to become possessive in their relationships with other people. You know, if they finally find somebody that loves them. This is what happened to Jack and I. You know, we just began to really just suck the life right out of each other because we were so wounded. Finally, someone showed us love, and so we became possessive of each other. And so we began to control, and then we began to manipulate our relationship to get what we needed from the other person. And, and you know, and then people would try to say, tell us these things, and and we couldn't receive correction, you know. Um, we couldn't receive correction because we couldn't trust. You know, we could not trust the very people in our life that were trying to love us and to help nurture us and to help grow us up. So we found found it very difficult to receive love from anybody, and and or or we became so self centered. You know, I had a need for constant constant attention, and if I didn't get constant attention from Jack, then I would manipulate, control. I would do whatever it took just for Jack to notice me, you know, or Father God to notice me or, or my daddy to notice me. And and sometimes we as parents, we don't have time and, you know, we don't have time for intimacy. We don't have time to, to show people just how much they are loved. And, and when we don't have time for the very 
people that God's put in our life to relate to and to nurture, then it, it builds those walls of rejection. And so, so what does someone do that's listening to you right now and is saying, that's me, but it's, the walls are too big. What should I do? Where can I start? What would you say to them? I would tell them the first begin to ask the first thing I tell them to do is to pick up our book Unbound Breaking Free of Life's Entanglements because it there's so much. You know, people feel like there's so much I can't possibly do everything. So and, and they've thrown in the towel. They've given up even trying because it's it's too big. Well, I tell people whenever I I encounter people like this all the time. I was one of those people. It's one issue at a time. You know, again, as I begin to ask Father God to show me, okay, what are the things inside of me that are wounding the very people that I love and I want to have an intimate relationship, and and it needs to begin with you, Father God. And I, for my life, he began to show me one issue at a time. I feel like everything else is under grace until Father God shows us, you know. And as we begin to, okay, here's, here's a wound in my life. And here's the person that wounded me. And I can't relate to this person because I'm afraid of this person because I can't trust, you know. So I close my heart to love, to the ability to trust this person. So all of a sudden, okay, now I understand this. So I take that person and I ask Father God, God, I, you know, it, it's, I hate to sound like I'm coming across with a plan. And it's really not a plan. It's a relationship. You know, Father, I'm having conflict with this person in my life, and and I have wounded this person. I have hurt this person. I really want to relate and to love this person. I want to see them the way you see them. And so it starts with asking God to show you how he feels about that person. And then the second thing is, okay, how have I wounded that person, or how has that person wounded me? Am I willing to identify that behavior, that stronghold, and am, am I willing to let go of it through forgiveness? You know, somebody told me one time that forgiveness is actually take it and turn it around. It's the ability to give for a person. That's how you know that you have true forgiveness for somebody because you're never going to forget what they did to you. But you can let go of the pain that's attached to the woundedness where they've hurt you. So I tell people, first identify the wound, you know, identify the behavior, then ask the Lord to show you, how can I forgive this person? And then I hear, well, you don't, you don't understand what that person did to me. I can't forgive. Well, you know, yes, you can. You know, I really believe that you can forgive. It may take time, and we're not asking you to forget the pain. We're just asking you to make a choice to allow Father to forgive them through you. You know, Father... I can't forgive them, but you can. Uh, You talk about doing one thing at a time as it's revealed to you. Could you tell me one real thing that you did in your relationship with your husband uh, that broke something open? Oh, gosh. Have we got the rest of the day? (laughs) No. Um, Again, Jack... I grew up in a home with a loving father, and so it was so easy for me to relate to God as love and as a loving father. And then I married this wounded man, and he's so wounded. You know, if if I had known that Jack was as wounded as he was, we probably never would have married. And so he was constantly distant 
and unapproach, unapproachable. He was not affectionate. He was, un, you know, emotionally unattached. The very opposite of the environment that I grew up in. And so I began to just build walls of self-protection because I honestly didn't know how to live life with Jack. You know, I didn't know how to do anything except perform for a place of value in his heart. And so, you know, after a while, you get tired of performing. And I just got so tired of having to feel like I had to do everything right to, to have a place of value that I began to, be, you know, just build in my heart the stronghold of isolation. And I really became cold toward Jack. You know, I just didn't have a place of value in my heart for him. And so I... Be, I knew that was wrong. I even actually made a plan to leave and divorce Jack. This was right before the revelation of the Father's love. I had made a plan. My brother was going to help me out to leave because I got so tired of him wounding us and wounding our family. And and he's the guy that's going out talking about strongholds. He had a revelation of strongholds at this time, but he wasn't living from that revelation. It wasn't until the revelation of the Father's love and the blessing that Jack's behavior began to change. And so I had to forgive him, you know. And when he came home that night from that conference and asked me to forgive him, you know, we're we're talking at this point 20 years of pain, you know, 20 years of feeling neglected, 20 years of feeling like I was Leah in his life instead of Rachel. You know, Rachel was the one... uh, that that Jack loved, Jack's Rachel's were ministry or the sea or, you know, things like that, adventure. But they never, you know, I always felt like Leah, the one that he just tolerated. And, And so when he came home that night and he asked me to forgive him, I couldn't forgive him right in that moment. You know, I had to process through, is this real? or What did he ask you to forgive him of? For 20 years of just being cold and distant and emotionally unattached. He, he knew this. Jack had the idea that wives served their husband, you know, husbands to the point of slavery. And, um, and you get very little in return. And, and so that was wounding. But, you know, I can't blame Jack. Um, I, I allowed it to happen. Uh, I'm sorry. We're out of time. But if you enjoy this discussion, you will love her book. Unbound, Breaking Free from Life's Entanglements, and the three-CD series. Uh, The first two is Healing the Heart of Your Family, then Healing Your Own Heart, although I think it has to be done the other way around. And that also, this bookmark that uh, you're going to put on your mirror, we call it the Freedom Package, available for a gift of $40. Call our order-only line, one 800 447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. Trish, if you and Jack could get free from the mess, I mean, you were sabotaged from day one. From the mess you were sabotaged in, anyone could get free. What is the number one issue you find as you talk to people uh, about being free from their strongholds? Well, I think it's abandonment in in the people that I relate to, because so many people, you know, they have basically been abandoned. Why it's, you know, if it's been from a father or if it's been from a spiritual father 
or your, you know, of course, your father of origin or whatever, that's how you begin to relate to your heavenly father. You know, well, you, you can't believe you have value. And I see that over and over again, that when people don't feel that they have a place of value, they live life below and beneath their potential. You know, they just can't believe that their purpose is supernatural. And I believe with all my heart that nobody, and that's why I love the name of your show, is because I think that it is the most supernatural thing we can do to live our natural lives pursuing, you know, um, the things that have wounded us, the things that hinder us from living out our destinies. How do we define our destinies? Well, I think you define your destiny at some point in time by uncovering the things that have hindered you from living and walking in your destiny. And so I see it over and over and over again, people that just feel like they've been abandoned in life, so they use the excuse, well, I can't. And I've taken I can't out of my diction- out of my vocabulary I can do all things through through Jesus. You know, I can do I can live my destiny. I can live my purpose, you know, whenever I've got you know, when I'm on a, a journey pursuing purpose and destiny. And you know, after Jack died, I felt abandoned. You know, I felt abandoned by God, I felt abandoned by Jack. You know, what am I gonna do? You know, I have lived my life dependent on Father God to always be there or Jack to always be there. I've never had to be the lead person. I've never had to be the one in charge. And now what am I going to do now that I have this huge ministry that's just been dumped in my lap, so to speak? I had no clue, Sid. And and so as I begin, you know, to pursue, okay, Father God, what is the things that's hindering me? Well, first of all, it was the belief that I had been abandoned. I had to deal with that belief, you know, structure. That's a lie. I have not been abandoned because the Word tells us that He'll never leave us or forsake us. So if I've not been abandoned, then, Father, I need for you to show me a plan. You know, what is the plan? What is the purpose for my life? And, and he he's doing that day by day, step by step. Yeah, yeah. but uh, you had something that I have to tell you sure provokes me to jealousy. Now, I know it didn't start out that way, uh, but you're kind of minding your own business, and the archangel Michael shows up. You've got to tell me about that. Well, I'm just sitting out on my porch. I live, thanks to Jack's mother who passed away and left us a beautiful um, enough money to buy this beautiful piece of property on the Inlet Waterway, which was fulfilling Jack's dream. And so we built this beautiful house, and Jack was able to only live there six weeks before he went on to be with the Lord. But I've lived there since Jack's passing. And so, you know, at the beginning of this year, you know, Jack has been gone seven years, and although I miss him and have had to deal with abandonment, um, life goes on. And so we're starting our eighth year of new beginnings, and and I just love the fact that, you know, eight represents new beginnings. So I'm sitting out on my porch, and just having my devotions, you know, I don't even think I'm fully awake yet, and and all of a sudden I look up, and there is this huge angel. You know, he is huge, and he's sitting on this beautiful horse, and he's suspended over the waterway in midair. And I look up, and I'm just, you know, you hear about things like this, Sid. I'm sure you see a lot of this, but I'd never experienced seeing an angel, but only one other time. And so I'm sitting there, and and there he is, 
and I guess just being female or whatever, my curiosity is piqued. And so I began to ask questions. Who are you? And that's when he told me that I am Michael, the warring angel. I'm Michael of the angel armies. And so I asked, well, what are you doing here? I should have known the answer to that question, but I didn't. I I just didn't dawn on me. And he said, it's taken me seven years to break through the heavenlies on your behalf, but we are here now. And when he said we, I, I only saw him, so I'm thinking, who is we? And at that moment, it's just like a veil was removed, you know, from behind him. And all around, suspended in midair, all up and down the waterway, was angels. As far as you can see, it was angels back to back. And so I asked him, I said, what is this all about? And he goes, we are here on your behalf. And you can ask the Father to commission us, to give us assignment to to whatever Father's doing in your life. You know, at that point, I had no clue. And still today, you know, I mean, that was at the first of the year. And still today, those angels are there. And in my prayer time, I asked the Father, Father, would you show me what the assignment is for my angels today? And one by one, we asked, you know, I asked the Father to, you know, give these angels assignment to have charge because the Bible tells us he will give angels assignments to have a charge over you and look at all the stories in the Bible to where Father God sent ministering angels to minister to his servants and and so they're there and and every day and especially when I go out and I share and I you know teach on the orphan but have you seen anything different since that encounter when you minister to people I, we have seen such an increase in our ministry, and it's not an increase of finances. I'm not looking for that. I have seen an increase in gifts and the giftings that Father God has given each one of His children. You know, whenever I travel now, I um, see words of no- I hear words of knowledge. I see people. It, it's amazing to me to where I'll be just minding my own business again, and I'll be teaching on whatever topic the church has brought me in to teach on, and then all of a sudden this light will go off over somebody's head. Now, when you say a light, explain to me what you see. Well, I see a light go off. It's like a floodlight. And I'll be standing up, and, you know, you'll be in a room with anywhere from, I go to seminars and I teach anywhere from 100 to 1,000, and I'll I'll be teaching and I'll be going through my points, usually on the orphan mindset, and then I'll look at someone and that light will go off. And I literally have to pause my teaching, and I just listen for a minute. I just invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to come, and He begins to just fill my thoughts. He begins to fill my heart with words that He wants to speak to that individual. Give me an example, a real-life situation that happened where a spotlight went off on someone, and you gave them a word. I was in North Carolina doing some meetings. Um, the Orphan Heart Sonship is usually my favorite topic. And all of a sudden, there was this couple right in front of me, and this floodlight went off over their head. And I'm looking at them, and I get the word builder. And so I had the couple stand up, and I just look at him, and, and I told him, I don't even remember the whole word, but basically the word was around building. That, Father God, you're called to be a builder in the kingdom of God. And I told him, I said, son, I don't know what you do in the kingdom of God, but I know that God has called you to build, build, build. And there's a dream in your heart that you've just kind of forgotten about, and the Lord is going to take that dream. He's, He's breathing life back on that dream because that dream is to build in the kingdom. 
and he started crying. And then I looked at his wife, and and I just had her stand up, and I said, "And and sweetheart, the Lord has not forgotten you. You feel as though you've been forgotten, or you've been abandoned, or rejected. And He wants you to know He sees the desires in your heart." And so I asked her. I said, "I feel like." Um, well, I asked her. I said, "Have you ever thought about adopting children?" And and I asked them. I said, "Y'all have two children, and they actually had two children." And um, I said do you want any more children? And she just began to weep, and she couldn't have any more children. And so I said, well, the Lord, I said, I see adoption. There's something. You guys are going to adopt children. Well, after the meetings, I went on and started preaching again and just sharing. I hate to say preaching, but just sharing. And so after the meetings, he they came, you know, walking up to me, and they both were still crying. And he told me, he goes, I'm a builder. He goes, I have a construction company. And then she began to cry, and she told me, she goes, I just took my name off the adoption list because I had lost hope that we would ever get a child. And the dream that they both had was they felt like the Lord had told them that they were supposed to go to another town and that they were going to build a church, but the doors just never seemed to open up, so they just lost the hope for that dream. Well, that day, life was breathed back into that dream, and they began to dream again, and the pastor just... He got so excited for them because he's been trying to encourage them to dream that dream again, you know, to ask God to breathe life on it. So we prayed, and I asked, I commissioned one of my angels. I said, and I just asked the Lord to give that angel assignment to cause this dream to come to fruition. And I haven't spoken to them but one time since then, but they are making plans to actually go to this town and to, I think it's going to be a, uh, like another campus for the church that I was at, but to go to this other town and they're going to start um, a church in that other town. And she went and she put her name back on the adoption list. Something is stopping you from operating what you see as your inheritance. You read the promises in the Bible, but there's some blockage. Uh, there's something that causes you to cause other people to react badly, something within you. There's something within you that causes your family not to be the way you know God intended it to be. Well, my guest, Tricia Frost, has got answers for you. You've been praying? Well, here's some answers. Tricia, talk about what is stopping people from walking the abundant supernatural life that God promises us. Okay. I think the number one thing that stops us is the fear of man. You know, for most of my life, I was so afraid to live a life of courage. And, and said courage isn't the absence, you know, of fear, but courage is the decision to make a choice to face your adversity, to, va- to face your, the, the, the one that's telling you you can't, and deal with that. And so I feel like people fear man and what man feels or thinks about them to the point where they've embraced a lie that they really can't or they shouldn't or they don't have a a right to be able to, and that hinders us from living our potential to the fullest. You know, because for me, here's the deal. Here's what's happening on the earth right now. I feel like we're living in the days of Malachi 4, 5, and 6. 
that the father's hearts are being restored back to their kids. You know, I see fathers all over the world that they just long to have an intimate relationship, not just with their sons and daughters, but of course with their earthly fathers so that they can represent. I think, you know, Father God is so tired of being misrepresented to the world. And then the last part of Malachi says that the son's hearts, you know, are being restored. Sons are coming home, and they're not going to come home to an orphanage. They want to come home to a, a home, a safe place where they have value, where where they are are they believe that they can, you know, that, that blessings instead of curses are spoken over them. And, and so they can embrace the truth and let go of the woundedness, the word curses, the lies that they have embraced that has hindered them or prevented them from living in, I feel like we're living in a day of revival. And to me, revival means to set things in motion and and we can either choose to live in a place of revival to where we set purpose and we set destiny and we fulfill those dreams that they're God-given dreams, you know, to fulfill our potential, or we're going to live in a state of survival, just tolerating or enduring life until, you know, Jesus is going to come in that old glory, glory days or whatever, and we're just going to be raptured out of here or, or well, you know what, I, I don't want that to be my outcome. I want to live today in the supernatural plan that Father God set up for all of us when we were created. Because I feel like we were created in his image, and we were created by him. We were created for him to do, to demonstrate who he is. And I think so many people just do not know how to demonstrate and to represent this loving Father because they've not, you know, it's not been demonstrated to them. And Father God has been so misrepresented to them that it's caused judgments, it's called ungodly beliefs, it's called life's entanglements that keep them stuck in the pain of their childhood, in the woundedness of their past, instead of stepping into their destiny and stepping into revival today. And and so people ask me, well, how do you do all that, Tricia? Well, I, I, I personally feel like we have to go back and visit our past for just a moment. I think if we stay too much in our past that we'll get stuck in our past, but we have to go back to our past so we can identify and uproot, tear down, overthrow, and destroy all of that woundedness, all of those hindrances so that we can build and plant because Father God wants us to build and plant the kingdom in our life, and he wants us to build and plant the kingdom in other people's lives. I I miss Jack terribly, but I'm telling you what, I it's not that I wouldn't want Jack to come back, um, but I am living my life today to the fullest because each day I ask the Father God to show me what are the things that prevent me what are the lies that I have been believing that hinder me from living you know, my potential, my destiny. And so many of you guys out there, I, I, I mean, I just, even right now, I just feel like, I, I don't feel grieved, but I just feel empathy because there's people out there that you're listening to us right now and you're going, that's me, that's me. I'm living stuck in my past and I want to live in hope and I want to be able to dream again and, and I'm tired of life snuffing out my dreams and, and, and you want change. 
You want to embrace change, and there is hope for you. There is hope for change. There is hope for you to live your potential. There's hope for you to live your destiny. And and so, I don't know, I just feel like right now that, that I want to step into being a mama. And as a mother in the kingdom of God, I just want to call forth. There's someone out there right now that you're struggling so much with low self-esteem. And as a mom, it just really grieves my heart to watch you suffer and watch you believe lies about yourself whenever I can see the plan, I can see the future, I can see the hope that Father God created you in. And I just want to speak to you right now. To I just want to ask you to ask the Father to come and show you what are the things that you need to let go of, what are the things that you need to forgive, what is it that you need to step into to give you a vision of your destiny. Because I think with a vision of your destiny, it'll stir hope within you again. And and so as a mother in the kingdom of God, I just want to release hope. I just want to release hope in the airways to dream again, to believe in yourself, deal with the junk, deal with the hindrances so that you can remove any and everything in your life that keeps you bound you know, that keeps you bound to, to negative behaviors and, and it's not fruitful. But I just I just speak a blessing over you. I speak a blessing that you would dream and live again and be happy and to know that there are people out there that want to help you. There are resources out there that you can obtain that will bring help to you. And and I just pray right now that Father would bring mothers and fathers into your life, mothers and fathers that you can trust that won't wound you, that won't hurt you, um, that you won't be disappointed in. And and I just pray for, for Father to come and stir up intimacy in your relationships with, with him first, but with your families. You know, because I, I just feel right now there's a mother out there that you're you're dealing with shame and you're dealing with shame and you're dealing with guilt because you had an abortion and you feel like well you killed you killed a child you you snuffed out someone's destiny and father wants you to know that you're forgiven that you are forgiven of that and and I just break off shame off of you right now I just break it off of you there is hope there is still a plan there is still a purpose for your life and father god will show you what that plan and what that purpose is if you'll just open your heart and just ask just let him know that you'll trust him again you know trish i was going to say uh because i'm a pretty logical type of individual uh give us step one but i have the answer to step one and step one is get the freedom package The truth of the matter is that what God did for Trish and her husband, Jack, and their whole family, he wants to do for you. He has a destiny for you. He has a purpose for you. Uh, The book, what kind of feedback, briefly, are you getting on your book, Unbound, Breaking Free from Life's Entanglements? We're getting a lot of great feedback from it. Bill Johnson, I love what he said about my book. He said that it is an amazing manual to freedom, just exactly what you've been saying about it. You know, I've had other people, um, Leif Hecklin, you know, he's a 
he's a great guy that goes around teaching on sonship. He tells people all the time that Trisha is a a senior eagle who helps other senior senior eagles deal with the pain of their past so that they can soar. Benny Johnson has she read it and she endorsed it. She said Trisha's the most transparent person I've ever met. And see, I think that's the key right there, Sid. Is are we willing to be transparent enough? Are we willing to deal with with our shame and our pride? so that we can be transparent enough that that we can be hope for other people. Bonnie Shavda says that, you know, sometimes our situations are, you know, you know, why do we have to go through stuff? Sometimes our situations become bread for other people to live life, you know, in, in another time, another day. And I feel like that's what my life is all about. And that's what you and your husband did in this special CD set. Uh, you You became transparent. Your husband, Jack, who's now in heaven, became transparent. And people, even though he's in heaven, people are getting set free from, it's a three CD set. The first deals with healing your own heart. And then the next two, healing the heart of your family. And then the book, Unbound, Breaking Free from Life's Entanglements. And the special, I'm Father God's Happy Thought. Every morning, I want you to say this out loud. It's the scriptures uh, that that lets you know that you are loved by Father God, uh, that you are pleasing to him, uh, that he has a purpose for your life, that God's not ashamed of you, and that God's completely forgiven you, all available for $40. Order the Freedom Package, the Shabbat broadcast. The Lord has already blessed you. Lord, he's already smiled upon you. The Lord has already given you his gifting. The Lord has already surrounded you with his favor. The Lord has already given you his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. In the name of the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, Yeshua HaMashiach Tzikinu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. Yivarecha Kadunai Vehishmarecha Yeradunai Panevelecha Vichonecha Yisadunai To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or log on to our website at www.sidroth.com. Org. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, 
Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.